Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. Uh, today is episode 151, and we're talking about the miracles of Jesus and uh, a blind man sees. Before we do that, let me uh, just say that uh, I'm so thankful for all of the uh, you folks out there that have been downloading my material and been watching my videos, listening to my podcasts. And I want to remind you that everything you find is free and available for you to edit and use in your own, uh, in your own life, in your own uh, ministry, whatever the case may be. So again, just go to PastorVic.com. PastorVic.com. Okay, today we'll be talking about the sixth of the seven miracles mentioned in the Gospel of John. And it has to do with the healing of the man who was born blind. This story is in John chapter 9, and this miraculous event makes three important points. Number one, the difference between the old covenant of the law and the new covenant of grace. Number two, the simplicity of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And number three, the difference between physical sight and spiritual sight. Beginning in John chapter 9, verse 1, now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus ministered on earth, it was under the Old Covenant. The New Covenant did not come to pass until Jesus was resurrected, the Holy Spirit descended to live in the believer. Under the Old Covenant teaching, because the man was born blind, it was assumed that it was because of his sin or the parent's sin. So, the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is important to understand. The Old Testament describes the covenant of the law, which the Lord instituted with the Israelites through Moses. Now, this covenant, and this is a special term, was a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant is like a contract. It's when two parties, in this case, Jehovah, God, and Moses, who represented the people of Israel, agreed to terms and conditions beforehand. In the Old Covenant, God said he would produce blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And this is clearly outlined in Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's why we see the Lord dispensing disasters under the Old Covenant when the people of Israel strayed from worship, worshiping him as the one true God. Now what's important here is that when we view God through the lens of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, uh, we recognize that it is true that he will visit the iniquities of the Father upon the children. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, 9, it states, You shall not bow down to them, meaning idols, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. However, as Christians, we are not under the old covenant of the law, 
but under the new covenant of grace, which is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. God makes it clear that he did not come to condemn those in the world, but to save them through Jesus. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, meaning Jesus, might be saved. Now, if you have any doubts as to the, how, how the New Testament or the New Covenant is better than the Old, I urge you to read Hebrews chapters 8, and 10, 8, 9, and 10, where the New Covenant is described as a better covenant, a better covenant than the Old Covenant. Remember, Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant and opened the door to the New Covenant. The New Covenant, which is based on better promises, uh, uh, and, and, and Jesus says this in Hebrews. Jesus also says in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the covenant of the law. You see, the law, or the law of Moses, was for the Jews who practiced Judaism. The new covenant provides grace for all people, whether they are Jews or non-Jews. The only key is that they have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As Christians, we live under the cover of the blood of Jesus, where repentance and forgiveness are found. What many people fail to recognize is that when God, that God created what I call a moral universe. And this applies to the Old and the New Covenant. And what I mean by a moral universe is that there are moral laws that when broken produce consequences. Let me give you an obvious natural example uh, in science. In science, there is something known as the law of gravitational force. In simple language, it means that what goes up must come down. Throw a ball into the air and it must fall back to the ground. If you violate the law of gravity by jumping off a building, you will not fly. You will fall to the ground. You see, when the law of gravity is broken, the result is always the same. You will fall. In the same sense, when you break one of the Ten Commandments, you will experience physical, emotional, or spiritual consequences. There are always consequences to sin. And it isn't because of God punishing you directly because of your sin. It's simply how the Lord created and set up the universe. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that the Lord will never judge and punish those who do evil, because he will. But it will be at the end of the age, or what is known as the end times. In that day, all evildoers will be judged and punished, uh, and that's called the white throne judgment, which is described in Revelations 20, beginning in chapter uh, verse 11. And it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them to hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. 
Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that as a believer, your name is written in the book of life? Let's get back to the Gospel of John and see how the healing of this blind man would bring glory to God. Beginning in verse 6, Jesus, you know, it, it says, When he had said these things, speaking about Jesus, he spat on the ground and made clay with, the, with his the saliva. And then he took that clay and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with that clay. And he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, which is translated, the word Siloam means scent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Hallelujah. Using spit and dirt may sound like a strange way to cure a blind man. But I can assure you, the blind man didn't care because he came back seeing. Keep in mind that this man did not even know at the moment that it was Jesus, the Messiah, who touched him. And so there was a lot of controversy among the spectators who were watching. Some believe what they saw, a blind man who can now see. Others doubted what they saw and said that it was not the same man who was blind. And so the crowds got into this turmoil and they decided to bring him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. The religious leaders, of course, were skeptical and they questioned the man who was once blind. They didn't like his simple answers. So they decided to ask the parents of the once blind man, beginning in verse 20. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him and he will speak for himself. And then it closes with, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the religious Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ or the Messiah, he would be put out of the synagogue or, or uh, excommunicated. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. And here we see the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel. In verse 24, So they again called the man who was blind, who was once blind, and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. Speaking about Jesus. But the, blind who, the man who was once blind said, said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. The one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? To me, verse 25 is one of the most profound statements in the Bible. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. So many people spend time trying to figure out or analyze how or why God allows things or how God does things. How and why God moves in the way he does is the Lord's business. Our response should always be, Lord, I trust you. When trying to understand the ways of God, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. And the scriptures say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, how can we, the ones that God has created, fully understand the Creator? I urge you to read Jeremiah 18 for more on this theme of the, the potter and the clay, the Creator and the created. In three of the Gospels, Jesus uses children to illustrate our attitude towards the Lord. And I'm choosing Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. What do you think it means to receive the kingdom of God as little children? I believe that it means that we trust that the Lord knows best and we must embrace that the Lord is good, even when we don't understand what is happening around us. I remember reading a story about an ant and a centipede. The ant, seeing how graceful the centipede moved all of its 100 legs, said to the centipede, after you stop walking, which leg do you move first to begin walking again? And the centipede had never thought about what came so naturally before. So the centipede decided to analyze the process. And the story goes that the centipede spent so much time determining which leg to move first that it never walked again. The moral of the story is that over-analysis can lead to paralysis. And so are some Christians trying to figure out how the Lord works. The blind man in John chapter 9 had the correct answer to some of life's most perplexing questions. One thing that I know, that though I was blind, now I see. As Christians, we need to focus on the result rather than the process of how God works. When a person is healed, they don't ask how, they are simply grateful that they are. Of course, an amazing point that we discover here is that it wasn't because of the blind man's faith that Jesus healed the blind man. It wasn't because of sin that he was healed. It was that the works of God should be revealed in him. The man that was blind still didn't realize that it was Jesus the Messiah who had healed him. Listen to the following, beginning in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, meaning the blind man, or the man that was once blind. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And so he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he began to worship him. What a beautiful story. He began to worship him because he believed. This miraculous episode created further divisions among the religious leaders. As the message of the gospel still does today, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 22, For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. 
But to those who are called, that's you and me, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, the difference between those who can see Jesus for who he is and those who doubt has to do with sight. John closes out chapter 9 with the following conversation with the religious leaders, beginning in verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard those words, and they said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Acceptance or rejection of Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, by faith, determines the sight we have, whether it's physical sight, which demands proof, or spiritual sight, which demands faith. In the Apostle Paul's words, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5.7. Choose to be a faith walker and see the great works of God. Now, what can we conclude from John chapter 9? First of all, Jesus is the miracle worker. He's God in the flesh. Our understanding of our relationship with Jesus comes through the new covenant, which is the New Testament. Jesus fulfilled a law which has passed away and introduced us into his grace. Keep the gospel simple. Jesus loves. Jesus heals. Jesus saves. The Bible says so. Therefore, that settles it. Don't try to analyze God. The human mind cannot comprehend the heart and the mind of our God, who is a good God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, and our responsibility is to bring heaven to earth. To see and enter the kingdom, one must be born again. Then we will have the spiritual eyes to see the truth. In the end, trust the Bible and the Holy Spirit who lives in you. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you the next time. And don't forget to share this message with your friends and relatives. God bless you.